Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Van Dyke Undercovers for July 2022, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This month's interview is with Alex B. Hill about his book, Detroit in 50 Maps. So there are thousands of ways to map a city. Roads and bridges and railways help you navigate the twists and turns. Topography gives you the lay of the land, but the best maps let you feel what a city is really like. Detroit in 50 Maps deconstructs the Motor City in surprising new ways. Track where new coffee shops and co-working spaces have opened and closed in the last five years. Find the areas with the highest concentrations of pizzerias, Coney Island, hot dog shops, or ring-necked pheasants. In each colorful map, you'll find a new perspective on one of America's greatest cities and the people who live here. I began my interview with Alex B. Hill by asking about his background and how he came to write Detroit in 50 Maps. <laughs> I don't know. My background is kind of all over the place. I um, most recently worked for Wayne State University. I've worked for nonprofits. I've worked in design and marketing. <laughs> um, uh, I studied international relations and African studies and medical anthropology um, uh, and now I also teach in in public health and uh, in urban studies and uh, geography. Uh, yeah, this uh, I started. Uh, it's called Detroitography. Uh, it's a, a blog of maps, uh, and it was when I first moved to Detroit uh, around 2008 2009. Um, I I was really unfamiliar with the city, uh, and so I started looking for data, looking for maps. Um, uh, and at the same time, uh, I had um, I was working as a community health worker and had the opportunity to, um, you know, w- work with all these Detroiters in their homes. Um, and so I really got to see the city um, and the neighborhoods and the people and the families uh, in the city, um, and and kind of that spatial spatial and geographic understanding really, um, uh, I guess, really worked well because <laughs> it became a a popular blog that then turned into a book. Mm. So you did, this book is divided in, into four sections. Can you can, take us into these, starting off with situating the city? Well, what exactly are, are you talking about here in that first section? Yeah, uh, the first section is really kind of about, um, you know, where does Detroit fit in in Michigan, in the United States, in the world? Um, you know, we have a, a really interesting region uh, and you know, very often people's definitions of Detroit uh, don't always match with everyone else's. Um, and that's okay. Um, you, you know, some of it's also just thinking about uh, historically, where did the city come from? Um, you know, kind of tracing indigenous pathways through the region and how those really became the spoke streets uh, of the city. Um, you know, we can, we can attribute those. People often talk about the the Woodward plan and, uh, you know, it was based on Paris or DC. And really, we just, we just paved over these indigenous trails that have been there forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's how, that's how we're still connected uh, as a region. Um, And in this first section alone, there, there are maps, again, something you're not likely to encounter 
uh, elsewhere of, uh, first of all, Detroit's bow tie, and then another map uh, letting folks know where um, pheasants are most prominent in the city. I, I, I love it. This is just fascinating. Well, first, what's the bow tie all about, first of all? Yeah, so uh, a lot of times people will forget that there's actually two small municipalities encompassed uh, by the city of Detroit. Um, so that's the the city of Highland Park, uh, which that their claim to fame is, um, you know, they that's where Ford set up his first factory. Well, not his first factory, but um, his Model T factory uh, was in Highland Park, um, and then uh, the city of Hamtramck, uh, which. Uh, was long known as a, a kind of Polish enclave. That's where you get your punchkis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but now it's also very well known as a. It's a very um, uh, vibrant uh, Bangladeshi community. And then um, more on the map of the pheasants, Alex, please. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a really a Detroit oddity. Um, <laughs> there are all of these pheasants that got imported um, with uh, a lot of the early. Uh, colonizers, settlers uh, of Detroit, um, and I think it's the the Chinese ring-necked pheasant. Um, <laughs> uh, and so you can find these these pheasants kind of sprinkled all over the city. Uh, when you have a pheasant sighting, it means you're going to have a really great day. I think, um, but it's also become kind of the unofficial mascot of Detroit. Um, so people paint murals of pheasants all over and, uh, you know, there's a coffee shop, there's a, a mural of pheasant in Corktown and there's a, uh, painting of a pheasant in a coffee shop on Detroit's East side. And so it's really, uh, uh, it's really become the city's bird. <laughs> Take us into the, the second section uh, of the book. What's your focus there? Yeah. So that was a bit more about, um, kind of just diving into some of the, um, the more, I guess, common data sets about the city, you know, what is, what do the demographics look like? You know, what are the roadways? How do they break apart? Um, one that, that folks often enjoy is the, um, the different road types. Uh, so looking at what roads are, are called streets, which ones are roads, which ones are avenues, where are the boulevards? Um, and that also kind of gives a, uh, a good understanding of, uh, how the city grew and expanded and, you know, what choices were made as Detroit developed. Um, and then, you know, diving into those data sets, looking at, well, you know, then for the population, what does life expectancy look like and what is chronic disease? Um, and we also included maps of, of the coronavirus um, cases and the impact that's had in the city. Mm-hmm. And then your other two sections, communities and neighborhoods and places in the city and and it's fascinating how you begin this third section uh disagreement lions could, could, could you give us more about that yeah so detroit is interesting in that um neighborhoods are not very well defined um you know other cities uh like you know new york or chicago the city uh has defined and delineated these boundaries and it's been codified uh in city documents for a really long time, but in Detroit, that's not true. Um, we have these, uh, you know, we have historic districts and kind of historic neighborhoods that have, have stuck around like Corktown is probably one of the best. Um, although even Corktown has had kind of wildly shifting boundaries (laughs) over the years. Um, and that's one of the maps in the book. Um, and so, you know, across the city, when you talk to people about, you know, what is your neighborhood, 
um, they'll often refer to the cross streets. Uh, and so then, you know, you, you get a good sense of what the place is, but um, it doesn't necessarily have a, a neighborhood identity. Uh, and there's a lot of disagreement, whether you're a resident or a nonprofit or the city government um, in kind of naming and claiming that those different spaces. Also, in Section 3, Alex, you, you, you tackle, and this is a, a really sad part of Detroit's history, this, this legacy of redlining, which, which is just a really horrific thing that went on for, for such a long period of time, right? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, We know um, the, uh, the homeowner loan corporation, um, so it was mostly based on um, uh, well, the maps that we often refer to as redlining are those um, kind of it's a security index. Um, so they made the maps after they gave out the loans. Um, but we know that the FHA was doing, uh, and, and private lenders were doing this kind of redlining, um, kind of racially restrictive uh, lending for a very long time. And um, and then uh, even more recently, there's been uh, reverse redlining in the city. Uh, so we don't, we don't necessarily see the same kind of legacy impact uh, from redlining in Detroit because uh, a lot of that happened in the kind of greater downtown area, which is now uh, where all the investment is happening. Uh, but in other cities, you still see that that legacy impact. In Section 4, one of my f- absolute favorite maps, since I'm a morning host, a morning achiever, coffee shops. And I, and I love to see this, uh, you know, a, a reasonably good proliferation of coffee shops in Detroit. I'd like to, I'd like to yeah, see definitely. a lot more, frankly. But uh, <laughs> what, what are we seeing in that map? Yeah, this is one, uh, it's data that I've tracked uh, over a very long time, um, uh, and, and it's been fun to kind of update it year on uh, year. on year. But uh, one thing that often comes up is, well, you know, if there's coffee shops, then it's just going to lead to gentrification, and it's terrible for the community. And um, But that's not the case in Detroit. What we see is actually uh, community groups are attempting to create coffee shops because they want a space to meet uh, and to be together. Uh, so, you know, places like, um, Detroit SIP in Northwest Detroit in the Livernoy McNichols area, um, you know, that was the community wanted a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've seen similar efforts, you know, on the East side, there's the Morningside cafe. Um, they unfortunately just experienced a fire right before they were going to open. But again, it was a very much a community rooted project. Um, and so I, th- I think that's one of the most exciting things about, about coffee in Detroit. It's not, you don't find Starbucks all over the city. Um, you find kind of these, these community coffee shops. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool. What, what, what did you find most surprising in your research for this book? Was there any one, one or two things you, you can pick out, Alex, that, that you were, you were surprised by pleasantly or unpleasantly uh, <laughs> doing, doing the research for these maps and this unique book? Yeah, well, I'll say it was really tough. Um, I, I've, uh, I've shared and posted about 800 maps on my site. And so I had to really cut. (laughs) Um, uh, And I think, you know, uh, the data about Detroit is always, uh, is always interesting. It's always shifting. Um, And I think that's why kind of that last section of places in the city, um, that's been a really, kind of enjoyable labor to do is kind of track these places because national data sets don't, don't cover the city very well. Um, and, you know, as all these things change, uh, it's really the people on the ground, that are going to be the ones that, 
that kind of track that and see that change. And, um, you know, whether it's grocery stores or community gardens or coffee shops or, um, you know, what have you. Um, I think the, um, well, one, one, uh, map that I made very early, uh, in, in my mapping career, I guess, I don't know if you can call it that, <laughs> um, but was the borders of Detroit. Um, and that was, again, it was when I was pretty, pretty new to the city and, and trying to figure things out. Um, and it was just wild how many tiny little borders there were <laughs> with all these other smaller cities, uh, you know, all across the entire uh, edge of the city. Um, and that makes for, I think, some really interesting kind of regional dynamics. Again, you know, you have the city has different relationships across those different borders. Um, I think the the one with the gross points is probably the most contentious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, you know, thinking about the some of those cross border demographics and dynamics. Um, you know, when you look at the the racial dot map of population you can very much draw that eight line, eight mile line um, by just looking at the data. Uh, And so, you know, thinking about what does that mean that there's more kind of crossover between Detroit and Southfield and very much less between Detroit and Warren um, and those kinds of things. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers for July 2022. Our interview was with Alex B. Hill about his book, Detroit in 50 Maps. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library.